Hello, this is Colton, one of your hosts of the Manga Mavericks podcast uh, here on allcomic.com. And uh, I regret to inform you listeners that unfortunately, uh, episode 22, I believe, of, uh, of the Manga Mavericks podcast uh, featuring Maxi Bernard from uh, Friendship Effort Victory will not be uploaded on the feed anytime soon. And uh, that is because, you know, we, we recorded the show. It was a great episode. I had a fun time talking to Maxi about Show to Jump in Toriko, as did Sid. But um, basically, um, some of the audio got lost. Uh, and by some, I mean the audio basically uh, for our entire Shonen Jump discussion and Toriko discussion as well. So I, I guess I could have uploaded some of the news, but even that didn't really entirely make it um because i accidentally deleted it i don't look i don't know how i did it either i'm sorry like i don't know how i did it i guess i shouldn't edit any podcast at you know 1 30 in the morning anymore because clearly i'm too i'm too tired to keep track of my audio and make sure it doesn't get deleted like i'm still kind of baffled that i even managed to do that at all but on a serious note i'm I can't, I can't really apologize to you guys enough. Like, I feel really bad that we had such a great discussion with Maxi, only for nobody to get to listen to it at all. So, um, in light of this huge mishap, basically, uh, you know, I still wanted to give you guys something, you know, where you can listen to Maxi, and, uh, I just happened to have a, um, I just happened to have an already edited, already prepared, um, episode of a podcast that I used to record before uh, the Manga Mavericks podcast known as the Manga Corner podcast that I used to record over at Anime 3000 uh, before I uh, eventually left that network to uh, join this one. So um, essentially what you're going to be listening to instead of the Manga Mavericks podcast uh, will be basically a discussion between Maxi and I about a very short-lived Shonen Jump series called Hi-Fi Cluster by uh, Ipe Goto, which uh, ran simultaneously both in Japanese and in English uh, via the um, via Viz's weekly Shonen Jump, uh, their digital Shonen Jump, I should say. Um, this this series is important because it's their first. Uh, it was the first of their. It was a. It was from their first lineup of uh, of Jump Starts where they basically take three chapters of a new Shonen Jump series and run those in English and uh, gauge interest from the readers as to whether they want to read more and whether they should add it to their lineup. And uh, Hi-Fi Cluster was that first one to be picked. And, I mean, it was canceled, but, uh, you know, it was, it's it's still a, kind of an important title in that sense. But uh, enough explaining, because I already kind of explained a lot of that in this old episode of the manga corner like I, I had this recorded as early as this past february or march 2016 and ever since i left anime 3000 i had never had the chance to upload this anywhere else it's just been sitting on my laptop and i figured now is as good a time as any to uh to finally upload it on the manga mavericks feed and have you guys listen to it because lord knows i am going to give you guys something in spite of this um this tragic mishap on my part um again i am i'm am so sorry that you guys are not going to get to listen to that episode with maxi because by god it was such a good episode again a lot of great discussion but i should probably stop talking about it because uh you know there's there's no use crying over spilt milk you know we we, we have to we have to move on in life and 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 uh you know, look forward to a better tomorrow. And by that, I mean, look forward to, you know, all the other things we still have yet to record with Maxi, like our next manga fight, uh, our Toriko themed manga fight between, uh, between him and Sid, which, uh, you know, by the time you're listening to this, and by the time this is released, uh, that will be up next week, uh, hopefully before this next weekend coming up. Um, and it will definitely be longer to make up for the fact that uh, we need to record our Toriko discussion again. And uh, we're just going to basically combine that with our manga fight to make a hybrid uh, retrospective slash debate episode about Toriko. So you guys will still get to look forward to that. 
as for our show to jump discussion, uh, I don't know when we'll get to reschedule and record that again. But uh, I mean, I was, we were going to have Maxi on the show again regardless. But, you know, hopefully after the start of the new year coming up, uh, we will be able to re-record that because uh, I because I really do want to talk to Maxi about uh, about the show to jump lineup. What with all the changes uh, that came with this uh, with this past year of the magazine. So um, enough talking again. I just I just wanted to come on and apologize for for accidentally deleting part of the episode. Um, and I hope you guys can forgive me again. I I'm, I'm very remorseful about the fact that you guys won't get to listen to that episode, but I at least wanted to give you guys something. So uh, I'm just going to let you guys go. I'm going to let you guys listen to this old episode of uh, of an old podcast and uh i will i will step in again uh at the end to uh to basically plug our stuff and uh again i i hope you guys enjoy mine and maxi's discussion on hi-fi cluster by ipe goto my guest with me today is somebody i've been wanting to have on the show for a while and i finally got a hold of him he's finally noticed me uh <laughs> <laughs> Senpai has finally noticed me. Um, somebody who I think, um, and I mean, not not that I think I'm like some kind of expert or anything, but you know, I've had people come up to me and be like, "Oh, Colton, you know so you know so much about shonen manga and just manga in general. You're you're the manga guy, you know." And I'm like, "No, there are people who know a lot more than I do." And I would consider uh, this guy here to be one of the few that I really recognize in terms of just how knowledgeable he is about manga in general, really. So. Would you please introduce yourself, good sir? Okay. Uh, hey, I'm Maxi B. I'm the former host of a show called Friendship Effort Victory, which was literally about Shonen Jump, which is to say that I know a lot about inane small details to do with like the most popular uh, comics magazine in the world. Oh, man. I, dude, Like, I, we were kind of talking a little bit before we started recording the show. Um, I really enjoy... I, re- I I haven't listened to a lot of your other shows, I will admit, but a lot of people haven't. <laughs> but I I I did. Um, I don't even remember how I found your show. I think I might have just because I think I was interested in seeing if there was a Shonen Jump podcast out there. Because you know, it's it's no secret that I love Shonen Jump. That the, a lot of the manga I read and love kind of comes from that magazine. So you know, I really wanted to find a podcast about it, and I think you were kind of the only show that came up other than maybe, like, one or two that I tried listening to. I won't say which ones, but it wasn't really too into. It wasn't very interesting. I thought your show was supremely interesting. I feel like I learned a lot, actually, from listening to you, because you not only covered, like, a lot of really big titles, like, you, I I think, was it, you, you covered uh, Dragon Ball, I think, on your first episode, and then, um, I know at one point you cut, you talked about stuff like Yu Yu Hakusho and Kanikuman and all that stuff, but you, 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 I know you talked about a lot of like smaller, very short lived series in Jump too, which I thought was very interesting. For those who don't know, Jump is like super strict when it comes to new serials and all that. Um, uh, how, what is it? It's like, um, I, I'm, I'm I'm struggling to remember how like the ranking system works with Jump because it's been a while since I've read stuff like Bakuman, which is essentially kind of where I learned all where, where I kind of learned all about the intricacies of Jump and the manga industry mm. in general. But I, I think also we we know from Big Man himself, Sasaki, who used to be I think the 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 head editor of Shueisha. He was editor in chief of Weekly Shonen Jump, uh, not of the entire uh, not of the entirety of Shueisha, but very specifically of, uh, I want to say it was of Shonen Jump, then he may have over, uh, kind of handled the entire Jump brand, but don't hold me to that one, because that's a very large area of comics, if so. But yeah, it, I think he's handled the question, and more, I think, in a more sort of notable way that people like to throw up constantly, uh, Oda, uh, Akira Oda, has actually answered it in a very vague way, which basically came down to, yeah, the table of contents is a popularity poll, but the editors decide what the order is. It's not an actual reflection of votes. Yeah, yeah, because I, I see a lot of like forums on the internet, or I guess sub-threads on forums all over the internet that are dedicated to that kind of thing, and 
that are dedicated to taking taking a look at like the table of contents in each issue of Jump, and people like to speculate the popularity of a certain of any certain series uh, from that information they're given. Which I, I I like to kind of dabble in that every once in a while. I don't lurk around on those kind of threads as much as I used to, but they're still very interesting to read because, like like you said, they're they're not completely definitive of what's actually popular. No, they're they're, a, they're more of a sort of rough barometer because uh, yeah, certain, exactly. certain series will get special placement. Uh, most notably at the moment you have uh, Isabe Isabe Monogatari, which is running on, at the very back of the magazine no matter what happens. Uh, so you have no way of knowing that popularity. Or a few years ago you'd had uh, My Son de Penguin, which Gintama actually made a joke about at the time is no matter what happens in Jump, you can't tell when it will be cancelled because it's always it was always in fifth place. So like there there are certain elements, usually with comedy series, where they twist it around. But uh, anything else you may hear about eight week rules, about what chapter the popularity reflects, and that that's kind of made up nonsense by people who <laughs> don't look into it. Yeah, that's I I'd, I'd agree with that. But yeah, th- th- this this is all kind of relevant because um, the title we're going to be talking about today is definitely something that was short-lived and uh, ran for about 18 chapters, so not even 20 chapters before it unfortunately got cancelled. You know, I, I also wanted to maybe call attention to a Weekly Shonen Jump, Viz's Weekly Shonen Jump in particular, because um, I, fe- I think we might have mentioned this once or twice on the show before, but a Viz's Digital Jump likes to do this thing where, you know, they, they can't pick up every new series or every series running currently even for or just really everything they 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 just can't they can't pick up everything is basically what i'm trying to say so so they came up with the with a way to basically kind of sample um essentially i, I it used to be like every new series but there have been some serials that they kind of left by the wayside uh, for various reasons there there's a certain point where i i think it's almost always come down to uh erotic content and as I understand it, that's the fault of a series that ran in uh, Jumpstart shortly after a Hi-Fi Cluster called E-Robot, which was a very weird series, but it was also a very rude one. And it didn't go down very well to be run in there, uh, whether it was with the people who handled the company in the US or with the actual readership. And it's made it very hard for them to even want to try running enough as a Jumpstart. Yeah, it's... I mean the the not to go on too much of a tangent, but the 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 jump starts. I think they're they're a great idea, and I am all for sampling new stuff, even if it means oh something cool might happen within like on the last chapter that they're previewing, and it's like well that's the end of our preview. Hopefully we get it right, guys. It it's the cruelest thing as well because uh, they'll run the first three weeks and the standard model that's about half a volume incidentally but the standard model for nearly anything in weekly shonen jump is the first two chapters establish the concept and the third one starts the actual first continuous storyline so it always ends on a cliffhanger <laughs> always uh, God yeah but uh, I'm trying to think I think um, this title in particular we're going to be talking about uh was from the i think their first round of jump starts back in 20 like near the end of 2014 i think september specifically yeah it, it was slap bang in the middle of september before then they'd been running series from chapter one but they'd gone poorly whether on the side of them or on the side of the series actually getting cancelled so they wanted to have a little way of testing the waters and then deciding to pick something up so yeah, this was the very first wave. It consisted of three series, uh, this one Hi-Fi Cluster, and it also had Judos and Sporting Salt, but less said the better. Um, But yeah, like you said, Maxi, we are going to be talking about specifically Hi-Fi Cluster because, um, uh, like you said, th- this this was the one that got picked up out of the three that uh, were previewed at the time. Um, personally, I think... Um, I think Judos would have been a little more interesting to keep up with week to week, actually, uh, even though I I had mixed feelings on some of the art and also how uh, scary and giant a lot of the hands are in that series. It um, was a really interesting series and one that I keep meaning to actually try and get some volumes of just because it, it was bizarre. And yeah, especially the hands, because like, the main gimmick was the main character had properly gnarled old man hands from how much like training they're done. <laughs> and... Oh, it's unnerving. Yeah, 
like his his hand his hands are almost as big, if not bigger than I uh, think Yugi's hands from the first chapter of Yu Gi Oh. Oh god, those those always scare the crap out of me every time I re reread the first chapter of Yu Gi Oh. But yeah, we're we're not talking about Judos, unfortunately. I I would have liked to. I I wish I got picked up, but anyway, um, High Fly Cluster got picked up, which is a manga written written and illustrated by Ipe Goto, and obviously it was uh, published in Weekly Shonen Jump both uh, Japanese and English through the jump starts. Its run lasted from September 14th, 2014 to January 26, 2015. And essentially, how do I put this? I guess the uh, the premise of the story is that uh the, like it's it's all in the setting. It's the, the setting's kind of I don't I don't know how I feel about the setting. It's it's essentially uh a world, a society where uh, you you have these things called labels that are basically like these downloadable apps that you can uh, install on yourself to like use to use particular abilities like you know if you wanted to like I don't know say if you were in co- like something combat related I guess like see it's really it's really hard to describe like to come up with like an it's- example because it's like because. We we don't see any like any real like practical abilities. It's also mostly like combat based as far as the series goes. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I think early on they try and establish that it's stuff like yeah, oh, if you're going to go and do some maths, why not use this mathematician label and it will make it so you're on the same level as everyone else? Because it's it's this whole idea of just uh, it, it's slightly set in the future. I think they say twenty forty five at some point, or at least that's what I've got written here. That that's right. I remember. Now. Yeah, and it's just that these labels were invented a, a few years beforehand, and they'd put everyone on equal footing so that everyone could have the same opportunities, which isn't quite how that would actually work. But the the, the concepts. There. Yeah, that. Uh, not to jump too far ahead, but yeah, that uh, that was a problem I instantly had with the series. Was I, I understand what what the point of all of this technology is that oh, you want everybody to be on the same uh level and be equal so just i don't that doesn't work but i feel like if it did work there wouldn't be a story and there wouldn't be any kind of conflict whatsoever so i i, I think i kind of understand why i don't know i feel like it was i feel like because I used to think, oh, this is extremely flawed. Like, how did how did this run it? How did this run jump? But then I realized, oh, well, you know, like I said, if it, if it wasn't flawed, it, you wouldn't have too much to work with in terms of the story. Um, but yeah, essentially, you have this futuristic world full of downloadable labels that you know let you do all kinds of things. And obviously, the main character Jugo Joe is somebody that isn't quite compatible with these labels, so he kind of can't really do anything he's kind of a loser and he essentially runs into this guy named um Kandera who we find out later is uh the leader of some uh some squadron uh, who's a part of the police force to basically crack down on um on illegal label crime activities and stuff and all that i'm doing such a good do- job with the synopsis um i'll help by throwing in occasional uh facts like the the unit in this case is special unit six which makes you wonder what the other five units were really yeah exactly <laughs> yeah they, they have this sort of peculiar little i guess meet cute for lack of a better way of putting it which i'm sure <laughs> some fan artists have had great fun with and um it where it ends up I, I want to say it ends up pulling uh Jugojo into uh his world, but I mean he was already by the nature of how they continue to encounter each other, he's already kind of in that world. Mm-hmm. So that that's essentially the premise. So I'm not I'm not really sure where I want to start with this. Um I don't know. I M- Maxi, I guess what where let's just start let's just start off simple here. What 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 were your general thoughts on Hi-Fi Cluster overall? I I have to know. O- overall is quite a hard one cuz it, it's a series that I think started off with a very as much as they overcomplicate. It's a very simple idea. Just oh, these cats have abilities and these special characters have special labels that give them the powers of characters from history and like, you know, it, it's enough of a simple game to go and say you know, here's these special people, here's their special abilities, we'll highlight them all as we go, and we'll lead up to a, a bigger story. But it then becomes this, like, super rushed comic that 
kind of changes how one of its main characters acts in a really huge way and and then dies. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of typical with a lot of Shonen Jump comics is they have the sort of, oh, here's the big story we would have done after a few more months, but we'll rush to it now to try and survive. And then it, that's what kills it more than anything. Oh my god, yeah, because like the first seven, ch- seven or eight chapters or so, you know, you, you could tell that uh, Goto wanted to let the story build, and you could tell, you know, he thought that um, he was going to have time to, he was going to have more time to basically, essentially develop, you know, all of the main characters and all of that stuff. Um, but then, yeah, like specifically around chapter eight is when. Is when, like you said, they, they start introducing all of this stuff that is the kind of storytelling that you wouldn't introduce until like years and years into a run if you were particularly popular. Oh, definitely. It's just, it's, it's, it's so weird. Cause, you know, we, we get a lot of little hints of like how, uh, uh, like, I guess where, uh, these, where labels originated from and how they were created and how they work and like, you know, who created them and what was their purpose behind creating labels. And then literally around chapter eight is when they, they just kind of, they, they essentially introduce the, the guy who creates, who created labels and he starts becoming a big part of the story. And again, that's, that's, that's definitely something that an author of, um, of a jump manga wouldn't pull until again, years down the line. That's like something you would say for a bigger serial. It's such a, bizarre turn as well because it it undercuts a lot of the uh the time frame the series has because the idea is is these ability labels have existed for a certain period of time but uh the creator i I don't know how quickly we want to leap into this sort of information before we talk about other characters is the same age as our main character uh, chigoju who i'm probably going to stick to calling his nickname in it which is uh peter just because it's easier for me to say. <laughs> uh, but like, they're literally the same age. And so it's like, oh, how did this guy uh, manage to create labels when he's so young? How would he have created them years ago? And oh my, go- they oh my God. They don't answer this question ever. Oh my, uh, wow. I actually <laughs> did. I didn't think about that. That really doesn't work. Yeah. And, and the thing is, they, they highlight it. Kandera makes a point uh, of going like, oh, he can't be the creator of these labels. He's far too young. And then they just ignore that, accept its facts, and <laughs> the, the story continues on. It's one of those really weird things. Like, a lot of stuff gets dropped uh, or even picked up at strange points. Like, uh, you talk about how the early stuff was uh, making a good point of trying to slowly establish everyone. And it does. Like, um, you get a couple of chapters to focus on establishing who Peter and Kandera are. Then you get, like, the teammates who's, like, uh, Kay and Hecht. Yeah. And there's another character who they're going to introduce, and you can see this. I, I don't know if you will have noticed this. Within the first few chapters, when they talk about Special Unit 6, they show some semi-shadow character models. Yeah, and yeah. The, these are your main crew. You've got Kandera, who's the leader of the unit. You get Miri, who's his second-in-command. And one of only, like, two women, three women, actually, in the, in the entire comic. Which is, even by Shonen Jump standards, like, that's worse than Toriko, which really doesn't have female characters. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Holy shit. And then they have they have the other two, but what they also have is someone wearing like a taxi driver outfit. And as a member of the team, towards the end, they then have the storyline that brings this character onto the team because they weren't on the team yet. So like you can see there was this plan to introduce everyone, have this person be one of the crew, and then he's just gone, you know what, no no, he's a character from outside now. Let's ignore what I actually drew and put on the page. Huh, that's... I didn't notice that. That's... Wow, that's okay. It, it drove me insane. Literally, one of the first things I saw while doing a reread was this image, and then it happened the next chapter. I was just like, it is, have I misremembered the series? Like... <laughs> but, I mean, and some comics do do this. Uh, Charming King notably had a chapter about 20 volumes into its run that ended a certain way, and the next chapter ignored that and said, no, 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 that didn't happen. We'll continue. And, you know, that's fine when you're in a later running series, you can try and write your way out of it. But when you've literally established something, shown something, and then gone, no, within the first two months of publication, something's gone wrong. Oh, man, yeah. Um, if you could tell that uh, the series was struggling in terms of ratings and, uh, you know, wanted to finish up whatever story it was trying to tell, yeah, that, that's a pretty good uh, indicator right there. That's I didn't even notice that. Um 
th- there were other things that I kind of liked um, in terms of like the small, minute details that kind of led to further plot developments. Like I think there's a there's a um, I think it's when Hect is introduced and essentially his uh, hi-fi label ability, whatever, is to is to basically hear multiple conversations going on at the same time and. You know, he, he, he's, he, he can make, he can basically multitask, essentially, if you really want to generalize it. Yeah. I mean, uh, historically, he has, um, the power of someone called, cause, cause all the labels are based on like DNA from people. And in particular, all the hi fi labels are based on, uh, people who are historically important. And in his case, it was, uh, Shotoku Taishi, mm-hmm. who was a prince from around, Oh God, like literally, I've, I've had to go and double check this to be sure, but from around like the year 500, 600 sort of area. And he was famous for being able to, uh, hear 10 people talk to him at once and to pick out whose voice was whose. And no, but I, I thought it was a nice little touch considering what they then do with that power and how it works. Actually, actually, I, I know I was, I was going to make a point, but actually that, that brings up something I was kind of confused about. Where did they get the data from all of these different historical figures? Like, I, I don't, I don't get that. Cause I, I was confused as to whether they got, that they actually got like DNA from all these different people and actually like, uh, computed it into data or something, or if whether their technology was just so advanced that they could just be like, Oh, hey, I could, I could make, I could, uh, I can just, uh, copy this thing and just transfer it into uh, uh, the labels with technology. Like, I didn't, I didn't really understood how that worked at all. Well, I, I think they explicitly say that it's based on the DNA of these people. So, like, they had to have gone like exhuming some bodies for these historical ones. But then, uh, once the creator of the labels, Landscape Mole, is introduced around, uh, I think it's between chapters eight and ten. Yeah, as you were saying earlier, like that not only stops making sense, but is never really touched upon again. Which is a shame, because as far as the gimmicks go that make the series interesting to read, like, the the labels is the thing. Especially the hi-fi ones, just like, oh, which historical cats is this, and how have they taken a massive reach to turn that into a superpower? Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I don't really know how I feel about labels as the gimmick for hi-fi cluster. Like, Obviously, you know, this, this whole thing about where society is like, we don't want people to have an advantage over someone else or whatever. We want everybody to be equal. So we're just going to have people download uh, things they could do and abilities and stuff, which, like we said earlier, is, is, you know, right from the get go, that is a very flawed, uh, there, there, there are some cracks in that plan, in that, uh, philosophy, I guess. Um, it almost feels like the author's trying to make some sort of comment on society, but it gets, exactly, it gets lost in the fact that they want to focus on these awesome historical powers, which don't always make sense as to the person they're historically based on. Yeah, just just like you said, it feels like Goto, the author, wanted to make some kind of commentary, but he didn't really, he didn't really take advantage of that. I don't know. It's just I just thought it was really weird. Well, it it happens a lot with cancelled comics. There was one a, about a year later called Ultra Battle Satellite, which took a weird little aside really early on to try and make a point about how shallow women with tans are, which was <laughs> an odd thing for a battle comic to do, but. It's just something Jump really likes to have happen. <laughs> I I don't understand it, but another another thing about the concept of labels is that as as like a gimmick, as like a as like a superpower gimmick for a Jump manga, I honestly like the the concept. Honestly, I thought it was kind of lame. Like I I really do like the idea of characters having having a battle or combat abilities based on people from from like real history i think that's kind of cool but compared to other jump manga i've read i still feel like it's a little uninspired like like i i feel like an alternative title for the series would have been hey there's an app for that (laughs) maybe maybe and i mean this this exact concept has been done I hesitate to say better. It has been done in a more interesting way in a series that actually came out and got cancelled really shortly before it came out. Because Hungry Joker is another comic that exists in which people end up with 
historical artifacts that belongs to people from history that give them powers based on that person. I feel I feel like that that sounds really familiar. I think I I think I might have read that maybe. Uh, it was the author of Black Clover. Uh, for example, the main character had an apple that gave uh, when they ate it gave them power over gravity because Isaac Newton to to the same measure that Kayakusa in this series. Um, mm, okay, okay. Uses his label to use maths to mess with gravity. Oh, that's right. I forgot that the guy who's doing Black Clover now did Hungry Joker. Yeah, which is not a good comic, but it did this, <laughs> it did this exact same concept of historical powers so much better because it actually explained how it worked, kind of. But yeah, labels, I just, it's, it's an interesting idea, but also at the same time, I think it's a little lazy. Like, it's just, Man, like there there's a I don't I don't know. I have I think I think people can tell I have very mixed feelings on this concept. Like <laughs> you know, again, com- compared to other jump manga like, you know, like you have one piece where people gain certain abilities through eating a magical fruit. Like, you know, I feel like that's that's really that's really interesting. I feel like it's really creative and a lot of really neat powers have come out of that. Um oh, what was that? what was another thing I wanted to use? Um I feel like I had another example, but now I can't think of one. But there's got to be one. I feel like the ones that kind of ha- have powers that aren't necessarily as well explained because they don't have to try to can do it well as well. Like Bleach, for all that it makes a point of uh, centering its stuff on like death gods and that, which is actual sort of superstitious beliefs to do with death. Like the the powers each character has is based on just going, oh, these swords have personalities, which means I can do anything as long as it fits within this dynamic of this guy has a sword, the sword transforms. <laughs> and like and that works because there's nothing to explain there. It's literally him just going, oh it's this and like waves it away. It doesn't get as involved as Hi-Fi cluster does by going, oh no, there's this whole society based on it all. And it just kind of has most people are equal, but these special ones, they're different. They only work for certain people or on metal prosthetics. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I guess something else I want to talk about real quick. Um, well, what, what did you think of the art? Cause I thought it was okay, but I feel like it, I feel like I don't have anything else to say other than that. Yeah. Like, like the art style doesn't really, in terms of a jump manga in particular, it doesn't particularly stick out to me, but at the same time, it, kind of has its own style to me i don't know i it's i'm kind of mixed there, there's a few artistic things in it that i do really like like particularly uh Kandera's character like characters with tired eyes are kind of a thing already taken up in jump by gintama like gintoki's mastered how to look tired but he takes yeah. to sort of extreme with Kandera to the point that he almost has black holes under his eyes for as much scribbling as they've done underneath it and that yeah, that's yeah. really good. It makes him look interesting. Uh, some other characters look cool, like Hector Carter and stuff. Like, the character design is, in theory, fine, but there's nothing particularly interesting. And then you hit the point where you realize that, like, there's two distinct art styles with how characters look. Like, you get the ones like Peter, like the taxi driver. I want to say their name's Shannon, but yeah, that yeah, you confuses me. Uh, or Miri, who have, like, these very large, or landscape mold, who have these sort of very large cartoony eyes and soft features and then literally Kandera, Hecht uh, oh god what in the world is the name of the main villain I, I can't believe I'm blanking on that's awful um, I think it was Noto Noto yes I've actually got it written down in capital letters because I knew I'd forget it like they all have a completely different style uh, which isn't massively uncommon but it's to the point of distraction like the way the eyes are drawn are notably different mm, yeah it bugs the hell out of me because <laughs> ne- neither one looks particularly bad. They both look kind of deliberately sloppy in places. Like yeah. The proportions will change as need be and stuff to make it look more dynamic. But it doesn't match. It bugs the heck out of me. <laughs> um, th- There were a few like little details within the series in terms of its art that I really enjoyed. Um, But other than that, again, I, I don't know. I, um, I thought the art was okay, kind of. I don't know. Again, I'm very mixed. I don't know whether I really liked it or disliked it at all. Um, I feel like if Hi-Fi Cluster had the chance to run a little longer, I feel like the character designs are the kind that probably would have um, that probably would have garnered the same kind of like female fan base that stuff like Gintama and Kuroko's Basketball have. 
Oh, definitely. Like, and Croco's Basketball is a great example because, I mean, that started off as scruffy and inconsistent as this and then really polished it down to, like, match that target audience. And this could have done it. I mean, it has characters that have that sort of appeal. Like, Kandera definitely has that sort of mature man in a suit sort of charm going on, if I yeah, can yeah. be so bold. Like, but it, it doesn't really get there. And it, it does have panels that look amazing. There's, I want to say there's a moment in the very first chapter where Kandera, like, kind of turns to the camera and says, everyone is capable of love and bravery. And that's a great character shot. No background. We're looking at all that part. But yeah, yeah. It's a really good character shot. And then you don't really get anything else as impacting as that until much later when Landscape Mole is introduced, where he like says he wants to start a revelation, a revolution even. And he looks quite sinister for a kid. Yeah, exactly. Though, am I the only one that thought that um, his little winged cap made him look like a Bishonen, um Arale from Dr. Slump? <laughs> even think about that in my head i've just kind of been imagining that he has a uh, the ship from uh the fantasy zone video games that, like say did years and years ago like he's just wearing that on his head but yeah <laughs> it, it's way more slump than that really just the cab i want to believe that's maybe a nod to slump or maybe that was just a cute little quirky thing that goto wanted to include for the landscape mall's design i don't know but well, it, it's it's possible. There's a certain thing to the character designs where it feels like a lot of the characters are aiming to pass the silhouette test, which is a completely non-existent test that a uh, a good character design, you can recognize them from the silhouette. But the problem is, is it's like a single flourish that stands out too much on each one and doesn't really make them look interesting themselves. It's just you'll look and go, oh, that guy's wearing a hat with wings on or... K has giant uh, sort of Jet Set Radio Future style goggles on. And it's just, it doesn't quite get there. But I, I want to go back to what you were talking about with that moment with Kandera uh, in the first chapter and how uh, Goto doesn't use backgrounds with that particular shot. I uh, There was another moment I actually really liked with that. It was around chapter 8 where um, there's this one really great page where we get a I think on the right side of the page, we get a great full body shot of Kandera kind of kind of looking out into the crowd while they're at, I'm assuming, probably like Times Square, where, wherever they're at in the city. Um, where we kind of transition into him remembering the past and every shot of him, I say every shot, but like all two shots of him on that page have no background. And I really like that detail because I felt like it was supposed to represent how lost in thought he is while he's remembering what happened on 611 and the incidents that take place on that particular day i i don't know it's it's such a minute little detail but i i really liked it i thought it was a nice subtly little powerful thing this is actually something i will straight up compliment the series on is whilst early on it seems like the, the use of backgrounds or no backgrounds doesn't necessarily make sense all the time as it goes on it does feel like a deliberate artistic choice to like kind of say no here this is about the character yeah exactly like i feel like there are definitely some shots in the manga that don't use backgrounds on purpose and i think that's because you know obviously goto wants you to focus on the characters and i really like that and it makes sense because i mean the characters are even when they're not particularly good they are the best part of the series yeah yeah and i guess um this will kind of uh, transition into something else I want to talk about with the characters. Um, I, I really wish this series had the chance to run longer because, again, like we said, you know, the, the 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 series, again, brings out a lot of these developments that you would expect a more prominent, um, a more prominently longer running manga to bring out later into its run. And, you know, like, I don't know, it's weird. While I, I like seeing those certain developments, I like seeing them. But at the same time, you know, because it's such a short and rushed series, they're they're not done as well by any stretch of the imagination. And I feel like because we're rushed into all this story stuff that uh, we don't get nearly enough time to spend. We don't get to spend enough time with the characters for me to feel anything for them, which is a shame. Because I feel like, I feel like if I, I feel like if I got to spend more time with the characters, like, cause there are moments where like, uh, what was it? Uh, there's a moment near the, I think within like the last five chapters of the series, I think, where, uh, Jugojo, 
has the opportunity to save another high school student from being bullied by his peers. And he goes to save this kid. And then he kind of reflects on, you know, um, on the first chapter when, you know, Condetta tells him, hey, you know, everyone is capable of love and bravery. And he kind of reflects on that, or he has a moment to reflect on that. And that kind of writing would have been really, really, really good. And I would have appreciated that so much more if we had more time to spend with him. And isn't that the worst thing you can say is when there's a sort of a scene that would be really nice in a longer running series, but the problem is, is that your main character isn't well-developed enough at that point. Like, that's not good. And Peter really doesn't get developed much at all. (laughs) No, he... That's probably the one real moment. Like, he... Goto tries to give him development, but again, we don't... He doesn't get to spend enough time with, with the series to... Uh, you know, to get to flesh that out more, we, we just, no, nobody gets to spend it. Like, yeah, n- even, even go to himself, you know, obviously doesn't get to spend enough time writing this. So it's just, I feel like it's lost on most people who read this, unfortunately, especially me. Cause I, um, I in particular, I'm not sure if anybody could tell from, you know, from, you know, talking to me on Twitter or listening to, this podcast or any podcast I record is I, I love character driven stuff more than anything. So uh, with that being said, I feel like again, because we didn't get to spend enough time with the characters, that's just, that's just one of the things I really think the series could have used like more time and more time to especially develop the characters. And that's, and that's what's keeping, cause I, I want to like this, I think is the thing I'm trying to say, but again, like there's just so much going against it that unfortunately led to its cancelization that just just ultimately made for i guess a i i guess a i guess a lackluster comic is what i'm trying to say oh absolutely like it it's got everything's there in theory for it to be a good series if only it had the time and the the craft to be something better like if this wasn't Goto's first series for Jump. If he'd have learned more about how you should pace these things, how to develop characters better. And like, you see glimpses of this, uh, when they introduce, uh, Hector Carter, who's like the light-haired, dark-skinned, sleepy member of the team who likes sweets, because you always have to have someone who likes sweets. <laughs> um, like they, he really goes to good lengths to develop the basics of his character within the two chapter story they do with him to the point of like, showing why he's on the team, how he works, what his gimmick is, and how he can use it in a variety of ways. And they do it, he does that in a really quick way, that if it was done with even one other member of the story, one other cast member, it could have saved the comic from being what it is. And it just didn't. I kind of want to have a combination discussion of of the art and characters real quick, because something... Sure. Because cause something I noticed uh, that I took notice in while I was reading Hi-Fi Cluster is that there are a lot of characters that, whether it's their design or their personality, like, all remind me of other characters from other manga. There were too many of them for me to count, and I feel like that's not a good thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to say it, it's cliche-ridden, but... It is very much, nearly everything in it feels derivative of something else, whether it's characters or otherwise, but characters in particular, I do get that feeling. So, so here, here are a few examples I, I came up with while I was reading. Um, Jugo Joe in particular, or Peta, I couldn't help but be reminded of the main character of, um, Kekai Sensen or, um, yes. Blood, or, uh, Blood Blockade Battlefront. Yeah, he is 100%, uh, Leonardo. Exa- like even down to like his hi-fi abilities almost in yeah, a, in a sense and, and he might he uh, uh he rides a scooter at least twice in the entire series which shouldn't be a real marker for it but the fact that that's like the main mode of transport for leo as well like oh it was it was so peculiar to me <laughs> that they, they skewed this close but i would put solid money down that it's trying really hard to be blood beca- uh blood beclay keke sensen <laughs> <laughs> i i know that's that's a that's a real tongue twister oh that's that's one case where i kind of wish they hadn't have adapted the title um but yeah like th- i really couldn't help but feel like i was reading a less interesting keke sensen 
Oh, yeah, to the point that uh, K is also just, he's Zap. Okay, yeah. Like, it, it's not a, a 100% comparison, but, like, as to his role in the story, like, he's always trying to go and beat the le- uh, the leader of his organization. The, yeah, the leader. Yeah, Klaus is the leader, isn't he? So, yeah, he's always trying to be better than the leader, but he has a weird respect for him. Like, he spends his time hanging out with the young boy who's there, but gives him a hard time. But, you know, he likes him a bit. Like, he, he, he's that. Like, if, if I could find a way to go and say... Miri was chain, I would, but Miri has no development or anything about her, so not really. Yeah, she gets, like, no time to shine whatsoever. She does get stabbed, though, so, you know. Yeah, she she, she she did get stabbed, which I didn't see coming, but I was like, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's like, to put the, the least developed member of the team in the most peril, uh, which the very next chapter they go, oh no, she's fine. Like, yeah, it was a mistake. You know, it's funny, you were mentioning K. That that might be a better comparison, that he might be more like Zap, but to to me he felt like a more um he felt like a more rational zebra from Toriko. Like he cause he he kinda has that he kind of exudes that same mindset of, you know, he's he's the tough guy, he doesn't take shit from anybody, and he's just he's gonna do whatever he wants. And he's and he's and he's and he's constantly destructive. <laughs> There's a lot about that. I, I always find it hard to think of uh, the Toriko characters as like being that typical archetype because the author will often change his mind as to why they do stuff or why they think certain ways. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah, there, there is Z- Zebra is very much consistently that sort of character as well. Yeah, I, I guess that's a good point. I guess I guess Z- Zebra isn't like the original character archetype of that nature. Certainly, the most notable at the time of Hi-Fi Cluster's publication, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kandera especially, like, I think you even mentioned it earlier, he, he's got that very tired look about him, like, he, he constantly looks tired and doesn't want to do anything, you know? He's he's essentially Gintoki. Yeah, he, he starts off being incredibly like Gintoki to the sort of level of, like, feigning being disinterested in everything, regardless of his involvement. That, that falls away rapidly, but, yeah. See, yeah, like, he's, he's essentially just a... <sighs> I hate to say this, he's kind of, he's a less interesting Gintoki, like, like we said, right down to the tired look on his face, even down to the whole, oh, I have a past, and it's coming back to haunt me, and, and all that stuff that we're gonna address later down the line, and, oh, I'm gonna spout some kind of, um, what do you call it, inspiring quote here, and teach a lesson to the reader, and all that stuff. Good God, yeah. Yeah, like the more the more you really think about it, he really is just Gintoki. That's insane to me, though. That that's like going out to imitate uh, Luffy from One Piece as your main character. Is when it like you don't make one of your most important characters in your series dangerously like a character from one of the most important comics in the magazine's history that you're also being published in at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I like characters like that. I mean, I I love Gintoki, and I you know like to, if I mean if you really want to be fair, you could also make the argument that Gintoki is just a Bizarro Kenshin from Roroni Kenshin in a sense. Except I would argue that Gintoki is again Kenshin is not a bad character, but I always thought as a main character, Gintoki was always more interesting. Yeah, well, I I think I I don't want to say it's like a deliberate subversion with. Uh, Gintama, but uh, with Gintoki and Gintama rather, but it it does have that to it a point, like because Kenshin, for all that he's an amazing character within his series, mm-hmm, yeah, I agree. is very much a, a typical sort of wandering samurai character. Like he wasn't a sort of massive revolutionary development, but just through Gin being like a lampooning of that sort of tragic character to be a very deliberate like Mickey take, it, it works really well. It makes him. Probably one of my favorite characters in all of comics, let alone Jump or Mango or anything. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the fact that he's like Gintoki in all of these different, really weird coincid- coincidences. But I mean, I I don't know. Like, I I feel like if if again if if this series had more time to develop and run within the magazine, I feel like Kandera could have could have become his own character still. I know this might be kind of a tangent, but I feel like um Skep Dance 
I want to bring that up real quick because, uh, you know, Skep Dance's whole thing was, oh, it's, it's basically the poor man's Gintama. It's just trying to copy Gintama, which, by the way, guys, that's the joke. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's not like it's ripping it off. Uh, Shinohara Kenta, the author of Skep Dance, was literally an assistant for Hideaki Sirachi, the author of Gintama. Like, exactly. They, they, they were friends. <laughs> yeah, so obviously a lot of his comedic sensibilities are going to be influenced by Sirachi you know, from working with him, but, but the, but the thing I always argue with Sket Dance is that Sket Dance is similar to Gintama, but it still has its own feel to it. It's still, it still has its own flavor, you know, it's still unique in its own way. And I feel like, like, like I was going to say, if Hi-Fi Cluster had more time to run, I feel like we could have gotten that with, um, Kandera. Oh, definitely. I, I think it could have happened with, uh, I was going to say the majority of the cats, but it could have happened with at least four of them. Exactly. Like, there there was room for development. Even Landscape Mole, for as confusing and needless uh, revelation as he is, like, him and his twin brother who gets two lines and one appearance in the entire series. That confused me so much near the end. It really I did. I know, right? I'd, what, what was the point of that? I don't know. Who cares? All, all it really does is it, it tries to get across the idea that, oh, Landscape Mole, in what was like his secret identity, was actually just impersonating his brother in the first place, which was like, why why would you tell me this now? This doesn't give me anything but like a, a small headache to think about. Like, <laughs> it's a mess. But I feel like those two, like that gimmick, if, if that had been like the leading thing of, oh, it's two twins who have like this secret life of being the designers of the core of the story, like that would have been interesting yeah exactly but there was just there was no time to do anything with that so, something else i want to talk about with kandera real quick that basically has been stuck in my mind ever since i first saw um hi-fi cluster in uh weekly shot and jump um because i actually haven't read it until like really recently um does the design for kandera to you remind you of a mix between spike spiegel from cowboy bebop and like the main character of psychopaths <laughs> Because I literally thought when I first saw Hi-Fi Cluster on the cover of English Jump, I was like, "Oh, did they? Is this is this like a fluffier looking psychopath? What is this?" You literally just like set off a little light bulb on my head because I did not give that a second's thought till you said it, and now I'm just like, "Yeah, right." Like, because like obviously the psychopath outfit is just hey a suit, but um, like combined with the hair, it does just seem like this weird cross point between a popular anime that was existing. A little bit before this series existed, and like one of the most notable main characters from an anime in the nineties, like that's oh yeah, and it just continues to drive home this weird thing that this series is even when it's not really meaning to, just it feels derivative of other things, which isn't a bad thing in that case. I, I feel like his character design's neat because it makes me think of these other things that are also cool, but it's still just another case of me going, man, yeah, this is like this, yeah, like. Like I said, I guess I agree with you. It's not particularly a bad thing, but I feel like I feel like there's a limit to how much I like to how many times I should think that. I, I don't know. That's that's just me personally, though. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, just over the course of this episode, I think I've spent more time uh, saying this is like this from another thing than actually talking about the content of the series itself. Mm, I don't know. I I think I think we've done a pretty good job talking about the content in particular because like yeah i mean it's there's something there but i think that's kind of the point of the series and why i wanted to talk about it was you know you you have something here but there's no time to develop it so in my opinion i don't really feel like there is much to talk about oh yeah although we've done quite well with this <laughs> um yeah it's, it's the tragedy of cancelled jump comics though because it is this merciless because you can have i mean the average is that a bad series will die within 18 to 26 weeks and i mean this hit that 18 and it died right there and then but you can have stuff die I've, i think the earliest i've seen it is eight chapters i think i know what series you're referring to but i don't remember i don't remember the name uh chagacha by the author of bobo 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 Bo. oh my god i didn't even know that guy went on to do more work oh yeah to, to the point now that he sorry this is going to be a terrible tension <laughs> uh but he he's gone on to actually do a dom patch series that started in uh, Psycho Jump. Oh, that's the, right. The, the, I... the actual kids magazine, and then it moved on to Jump Plus, the web thing, and then it finally died, which is unsurprising because I'm literally the only person who's bought that in volumes. 
See, I I knew there was a Don Patch spinoff in Psycho Jump, but I didn't know that was by him. I just thought it was one of those things where it's like, oh, here's a popular thing that you like, and it's by another artist. Oh, no, and it's mind-blowing, because his art style's completely different now. Hmm. But uh, I think if we start going down this road, the episode's going to have to change to be some sort of <laughs> double bill where I explain <laughs> the weirdness of Yoshio Tsui's career, because it's really weird. Mm. But yeah, like a series can run that short. I think it's that and a series about handball that maybe ran a couple of weeks more, like pretty much hold the record for series that just get cancelled out the gate. I would love to, well, actually I wouldn't because this would be horrible, but I I would love to see if there would be like just something so bad in Jump that it doesn't even run for like a full three weeks. Well, for for a time people thought there was, uh, in another case of people being like Wikipedia bandits, everyone thought that before Naruto, uh, because there was a one-shot that Masashi Kishimoto did called Karakuri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I remember that. Yeah, and it was published in Akamaru Jump, and then they also ran it in Shonen Jump. Mm, I see. And the popular myth is that this one-shot was so unpopular that it was actually the first chapter of the series, and it got cancelled there and there. <laughs> Which would have been beautiful, because it is genuinely one of the worst one-shots I've ever read in my life. Mm. Interesting. Which is funny because Naruto itself, and well, the Naruto one shot's pretty bad as well, but Naruto itself, it's a good comic despite all the problems it has. Really? I, I really, I, I actually thought the Naruto one shot was, I thought it was decent. I thought it was interesting. I, I think it's just me being a miserable <laughs> ass in the one spot. <laughs> like, it's, it's got stuff to like. It's a completely different thing. But, uh, I think because I'd already read, like, years and years of Naruto at a point I'd actually managed to see this one shot well here be- before we start to wrap up real quick just it just has this has nothing to do with anything but now now I have to know um have, have you read the Mario one shot if so what do you think of it real quick oh Mario that that's first of all such a weird one shot to exist because both that and Bench were based on one shots he'd tried to make before he'd even made the Karakuri one and then didn't but uh yeah Mario was pretty good like, it, it's not revolutionary, but, I mean, it ran in Jump Square, which is exactly where that sort of series would succeed massively. Oh, yeah. Like, I would actually like to see more from that. I I thought, people are probably going to hate me when I say this, I honestly thought that was better than, like, 60% of Naruto. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I'd say that, but I think at, it was a time when Naruto was really dragging its heels, like, in a way that was making it painful to read for yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah. It was like that whole Great War. So, like, that and Bench both came out, and it was like... A ben- Bench wasn't great, but it was a baseball comic, which... I, I love baseball comics, that's just me. <laughs> but, yeah, I think Mario kind of showed that... It- yeah, if he does something different, it's excellent, and it is the sort of thing I would love to see more of. I don't really read much from Jump Square, because they tend to come into two categories of grim, dark, and breasts. <laughs> but, like, yeah, Ma- Mario has a lot of potential. Also, I just went, oh, I don't read anything from Jump Square when I literally just took a moment earlier to talk about Blood Blockade Battlefront. All right, but before we wrap up, so I don't know if I could recommend Hi-Fi Cluster to anyone, and not not just because it's, it, it, I mean, the thing about this is that I, as much as I wanted to talk about this, unfortunately, there's there's no way for people to buy it officially in English, um, Unless you had a Jump subscription from Viz, you know, back in September 2014, and you might have some back issues, um, there's really no way to read this in English. Which is really infuriating, coincidentally. Like, I'm sure there's a, a cost reason for it, like they pay a different amount through licensing or whatnot to uh, the publisher and the author for running it weekly than they would if they had to permanently have the volumes up. But uh, Viz Media have made a real point lately of just not, doing volumes for stuff they run that doesn't do well. I, I think CrossManage burned them in a big way because no one wanted to read a lacrosse manga, no matter how amazing it was. And it was. Um But like that, Stealth Symphony, and countless... Uh, to, uh, no, I think they did Takamagahara in the end, but... Yeah, they did. Less said on that comic, the better. Uh, actually, uh, no, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> that happens every time I mention that series, by the way. I have this little moment of going, did I like it? <laughs> but yeah, they they... They abandoned volumes entirely. I, I thought you were going to say every every time I mention Takamakahara, I just I just cringe like Takamakahara. Oh, just like you just get a shiver down your spine. Well, but I find it funny that you ever want to see an example of how uh, manga fans and general comic fans are very different people. Uh, like people I know, including uh, David Brothers, who he works for Image Comics now, but for a time he was a very prominent comics blogger at Fourth Letter, his own website. 
But like he he would sing the virtues of Takamakahara because it was like old style punchy action comics and it knew it, which I was like, I had spent what like the the twelve to eighteen weeks or whatever it ran thinking it was horrendous, and then just like people from elsewhere just bigged it up as being like really good, and it it hurt my brain and it keeps making me want to reconsider it, but it was really bad. Oh man, <laughs> like it was. Um, but, but by that same measure, hi-fi clusters actually kind of more awkward than that because yeah first of all you can't really read it legally online because jump have been funny about archiving their old series uh, or old cancel series i suppose but even then if it were it's like at, at best it's above average not like in a sort of oh this is good way but in a sort of like it doesn't hurt you to read it yeah i mean i agree i don't think it's bad by any means but I would say that while, like you said, it is above average for, for a canceled jump title, especially, um, I still feel like, unfortunately, a lot of aspects about it and a lot of the development and how it's handled, unfortunately, while, while I don't think the author could help it, I feel like it's still kind of disappointing. Um, and when I say he couldn't help it, I mean, you know, cause there was, he, Goto probably got notified early enough on that, hey, this isn't doing well, guy. You're going to have to wrap this up pretty soon. Yeah, like, they, they basically know by the end of, like, the initial eight weeks. And I mean, and you can see that because what happens around weeks eight, nine, and ten, well, the story changes drastically. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, this, this, the, the, um, the pacing, like, really ramps up and it's like, oh, we're going to start uh, introducing all this stuff now? Okay. And th- this is where this weird, uh, week shun jump myth of the eight week rule comes in, uh, instantly. It's just that by and large, within two months of publication of anything, whether it's monthly Western comics from Marvel or, uh, an anthology title in jump, like within two months, you know whether something's going to sell or be popular. And this was not. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't. Which is a shame because, like, the, the volumes, uh, the covers, I'm just going to slide this in here as a little note, like, had this really nice sort of art style to them that you don't get from many Jump comics. Like, had a sort of weird silver background and just nice character portraits. And I would have liked to have seen more of those, just kind of seeing the artists flex their artistic muscles in a different way. But, no, dead, dead in the water. Not really worth much for. <laughs> yeah, it it tried. It really tried, but... There are too many limitations on the comic in terms of yeah. time and how much time the author really had to develop anything, really. But it's a sort of series where you kind of just want to put a little gold star in it. It just says you tried. <laughs> you know, like you you can you can see it made an effort. It just yeah, you wasn't go to go to gets an A for effort, especially. Um, I would like to see more work from him. I hope he gets another series. One hundred percent. This is an author I will. Not like follow religiously, but if they come back in jump in something that I would see that he's come back, I'd be like, yeah, I'll check this out, see what they've like done over the next few years. I think that's going to be it for this episode. Maxie, thank you so much for coming on. It has been a real pleasure. I really hope we can have you on again sometime. Oh, it, it's been absolutely excellent. Probably my favorite thing I've done in a good while. So I haven't had an excuse to talk about manga like this since the start of last year. I think about a year ago. <laughs> But in the event you like me talk about manga, that's where you should go. Go to friendshipeffortvictory.wordpress.com or look for Friendship Effort Victory on iTunes. I spent a, roughly about 33 episodes talking about this exact sort of comic and then stopped. But what's there is good, so listen to that. And that's going to be about it for that. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to... Uh, me and Maxi talk about Hi-Fi Cluster, even though it is not, uh, uh, as we discussed in the episode, it's not very widely available to those outside of uh, anyone who happens to have back issues of those issues of Jump. You know, i I hope it. I hope it was. It, it, I hope the discussion was at least somewhat interesting. But uh, yeah, so that's going to be about it for that. Um, I want to thank Maxi for coming on. Uh, with me so many months ago at this point to talk to me about uh, about Cancel Jump comics. I know that's kind of his thing. Uh, that and baseball comics. Uh, those seem to be the uh, his two favorite kind of manga to talk about. So I'm hoping maybe on a proper episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast we can uh, 
we could talk about more uh, canceled uh, Shonen Jump comics or something in the future. Uh, we're we're de- again, like I said in the beginning, we're definitely going to have them on again. Uh, we're definitely going to try our best to re-record whatever we uh, recorded uh, this past weekend. Again, uh, look forward to our upcoming manga fight between Maxi and Sid as they debate about Toriko and uh, and whatnot. So uh, if you're a fan of that series, please look forward to that. And uh, I guess um, I guess we'll just close it out like normal. Let you guys know where uh, where you can find all comic and the podcast because uh, since our last episode of Manga Mavericks, uh, our social media presence has been growing ever so slightly. But um, first off, if you want to follow all comic in particular, that's where you can find uh, basically every episode of our podcast is available at all-comic.com. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you want updates on the Manga Mavericks podcast in particular, since our last episode, we have gotten a new Twitter account. Uh, you know, if, if you already follow us on Twitter, you were uh, very privy to, um, to the fact that, uh, that I already uh, that I accidentally uh, deleted some of our audio. Uh, so if you if you want the quickest updates on the state of the podcast, following us on Twitter is going to be the quickest way to get in contact with us and to find all that stuff out. I can guarantee it. Uh, that's at manga underscore mavericks. So even if you don't even if you don't use Twitter, you should really just follow just. Just book, bookmark our Twitter page and just still still keep still still keep track of our updates. Like I, I promise you, it'll be worth it. Um, although, if you are a user on Tumblr, we do have a Tumblr for the podcast now as well, and you can find that at mangamavericks.tumblr.com uh, for all your Tumblr needs. Or if you want, uh, you can email us anything about uh, about the podcast, manga in general, or send me angry emails about how I shouldn't uh, carelessly uh, handle our podcast, apparently. You can email us anything, r- really anything, and we'll read it on the show. Uh, email us at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Please do that if you wish. Um, and. Um, I guess real quick, if you want to follow any of us in particular on Twitter, uh, you could follow Sid at Love Ramayasha. You can follow uh, Maxi at uh, Maxi underscore Barnard, not Bernard uh, with an E, but uh, Barnard with an A, just to make that uh, distinction, because uh, sometimes I make that mistake too. Or you can even follow me on Twitter at SniperKing323. So. You know, if you want to follow any of us in particular, there you go. And um, I think that's going to be it. Uh, again, uh, please look forward to our manga fight in the next week or so. And uh, the week after that, we will definitely have a a proper new episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast, uh, where me and Sid not only try to catch up on all the news that we haven't been reporting on, but uh, we will also be uh, basically kind of reflecting on the year uh, since we started the podcast and, you know, reminisce about news and all of the manga we read this uh, weekly or, uh, you know, all the current manga we were keeping up with this past year or whatever. Uh, we're going to be reflecting on a lot of things uh, in the next episode, our special year-end episode or whatnot. Uh, I don't know what we're going to call it yet, um, but... Look forward to all that. Uh, We'll see you guys on the next actual episode of the Manga Mavericks podcast here on allcomic.com. Bye, guys. Bye.